Welcome to Political Beatdown, Michael Cohen. I'm Ben Micellis. Let's chat about the $83.3 million verdict against Donald Trump in the E. Jean Carroll uh, defamation trial. Also, over the past 24, 48 hours, Donald Trump's lawyer, Alina Habba, thought it would be a good idea to attack federal judge Lewis Kaplan and cast aspersions at him, claim that there was a conflict of interest that Judge Kaplan failed to disclose. It was completely false and defamatory. She was called out by E. Jean Carroll's lawyer, Roberta Kaplan. Alina Habba moments ago sent another letter to Judge Lewis Kaplan saying, I think we can probably just forget about what I said. Aren't we cool now? Let's talk about that. Also, any moment now, we could be getting the verdict in from the New York civil fraud case by Justice Arthur and Goron. That could be as high as $500 million. And Michael Cohen's predicting higher. I'll hear why from Michael Cohen. Let's also talk about this new uh, Inspector General report, how the Trump White House was a pill mill. We're talking about huge quantities of fentanyl, Versed amphetamines, uh, a bunch of other uh, ketamine, a bunch of uh, hydrocodone, a bunch of other hard drugs being um, seemingly improperly prescribed at the Trump White House in massive, massive dosages. I think it deserves more attention. We'll give it the attention it deserves. Here also, Donald Trump was in Vegas recently bragging yet again about passing cognitive exams. Uh, this is part of his stump speech now. He spends the majority of his speech, or at least a good deal of his speech, talking about cognitive exams that he takes. It's really bizarre. And then here's a special note to all of our political beatdown brigaders. As soon as this live show ends, here's what we're going to do with the after show today. We're going to make the after show our beatdown Zoom meeting for our Patreon. So if you join Patreon right now, you go to patreon.com slash political beatdown. Go there right now. As soon as this show ends, if you are a patron, we are going to hold a special exclusive Zoom meeting on Patreon. The Zoom link is in the Patreon feed that's available to our patrons. And then as soon as this show ends, we're going to go there and we're going to meet you in person. I would have posted and announced it sooner, although we had some great news over here at the Micellus family. Jordy and his wife Lexi are new parents. They have a beautiful baby boy. And so I've been a bit occupied over there. I'm sure you all understand. Congratulations to Jordy and Lexi and the rest of the whole family there. It's great being uh, an uncle. And thank you, everybody, for the wishes that you all sent us. So I'm excited to see everybody at the uh, after show exclusive Zoom meeting. Get to meet. Michael Cohen and myself. All right, Cohen, let's start at the top. I haven't heard your reaction yet at all to the $83.3 million verdict. It's right around where you and I predicted it. What say you? Well, obviously, there's a whole world here that needs to be addressed. So let me start with the very first aspect. The it's going to be the Donald Trump appeal. Of course he has to appeal. And I do believe that if he appeals, that there will be a reduction uh, of that 83.3, which in all fairness is really 
5.6 because they've already awarded E. Jean Carroll on the first go around $5.3 million. Uh, I mean, this is a lot of money, uh, even for Donald Trump. Uh, I mean, a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, reports now coming out that this could actually throw him into a bankruptcy situation, and they're not wrong. Not if he decides to appeal, which we all know that he will. There's one of two ways that Donald can file this appeal. The first is he finds a bonding company, just like what you see on television in any sort of criminal case. You go to a bonding company, they put up the money for you, you pay them a fee. I think in this case, that fee is approximately 20% uh, of the amount. That's still, you know, that's not, as they would say in Scarface, that's not puro. Uh, he's going to put up $16.6 million as a fee. Uh, on that. Plus, he's going to have to also put up some sort of a collateral that the bonding company can easily get if, in fact, that, you know, they need to go and attach this money, uh, if, in fact, that the appeal is not granted, etc. The other way, which is exactly what he did with the 5.3, is he had to post because no bonding company wanted to take it. And there's many reasons why they wouldn't want to. One, the assets are encumbered by a first position, second, because maybe he doesn't have the asset uh, or that there would be a taxable consequence. So most people don't want to get involved in this sort of thing. What he did with the first go around was they went ahead and they posted what's called a cash equivalent. Now, this is an interesting thing. So he put up, let's say, into a, um, a money market or into a CD, $5.3 million plus. New York statutory interest of 9%. So he put up probably there maybe $5.75 million, $5.8 million. Um, and that's now been given to the court to hold pending the appeal. How was he going to do this with $83.3 million? What cash collateral can he put up? Do I think he's still going to do the appeal? I think he has no choice. Will he ask maybe one of his big mega mega donors to put up the money, one of these billionaires? That's certainly very possible. Uh, I think it would pose a whole series of problems. But yes, I do believe that he's going to file the appeal. I don't even believe that the appeal uh, is going to take long for them to decide because you know you're talking about uh, punitives, you're talking about, uh, it was broken down into three different sections. I believe he's going to, there will be a reduction, but I don't think it's going to be the reduction down to the, you know, 5 million, 10 million number. You know, at best, it'll probably be, you know, maybe 40 plus, maybe half. Uh, I don't know, but it's certainly not a good position for, Donald Von Schitt's and Pants to be in. Cohen, I'm interested why you think there's going to be a reduction. I've reviewed this verdict, and I'm actually quite confident that there is not going to be a reduction. I'll give you my reason why, but I'm, I'm interested to know why you think there would be a reduction. You had an expert testify about reputational repair and said the amount was around 
$11 million. That's what the jury ultimately awarded for reputational repair. Then the jury awarded $7.3 million for compensatory damages like emotional distress. That's not a like rogue verdict, seems well within the uh, range right there. So you get about $18.3 million there. Then when I look at the punitive damages amount, it seems like a perfect amount that was awarded by the jury. We talk about $65 million in punitive damages. Now, the Supreme Court has said that, uh, United States Supreme Court, that anything above 10 times your economic damages kind of violates the kind of constitutional proportions of for purposes of due process. So anything that's more than 10x would be reduced. And there's a bunch of New York case law as well that anything above five times the economic damages for punitive damages, we normally see reductions. But it's kind of right in the sweet spot here of that three and a half to five times economic damages. The 11 million, the 7.3 and the 65 don't strike me as kind of a, a runaway jury or too high or that this judge will ultimately um, reduce. So you and I may differ on that, but I'm, I'm fairly confident this verdict will hold as is. Judge Kaplan, I don't think, is going to do any favors to Donald you Trump here. And the jury looked at the net worth of Donald Trump and Trump bragging about how Mar-a-Lago is worth billions of dollars. And it seems they hit the sweet spot, in, in my own opinion, but I'm interested to hear from you. So I agree with you that it is a fair and just determination by a jury of Donald's peers. Nevertheless, one of the things that I found in my travails with this Department of Justice and with judges is all judges really do want to be Solomonian in sort of their um, in their approach to these type of cases. Uh, I don't think that there's anybody that would turn around and say that an $83.3 million verdict uh, or judgment is um, an enormous amount of money based upon the circumstances. And in this specific case, again, this has nothing to do with the sexual assault, right? This only has to do with this idiot's ongoing continuous defamation. I think it would be very fair and reasonable for the appellate court to turn around and say, well, wouldn't $40 million be a fair and reasonable number on a let's say, a first-time violation, right? On the next one, yeah, then we could throw the book at him. Uh, you know, first he got hit with the 5.3, all right? That one doesn't count as far as his stupidity in terms of continuing to defame E. Jean Carroll. So he did it again. Would most people turn around and say it's fair and reasonable that if you get hit with a $40 million verdict that you wouldn't do it again, does it have to be $60 million? That's That's my point. And again, I think that everybody's just going to try to split the baby here. Uh, and that's why I believe that there will be some sort of a reduction. You know, what the amount is, again, my speculation, Ben, is no different than anybody else's. It's just an opinion predicated on my opinion. But I do believe that they will do that as a fair and reasonable warning with the caveat that if you do it again, 
the penalty amount is going to be even more substantial than this. That's just the way that I that I have seen uh, the way that the system has been running recently. Yeah, you know, I, I think the system's fed up with Donald Trump. I, I suppose if this was the first trial, maybe they do that. This is the second trial. He already lost a defamation case. He continued the conduct. He continued to defame E. Jean Carroll, his rape victim, while he was in the court. I just don't see... Uh, an appeal panel saying that it's too much money to award your rape victim who you constantly defame, who there has already been a verdict in favor of her before, and you kept on defaming her while the mm -hmm. trial was taking place. I, I just don't think that the Second Circuit panel is going to say we're going to replace the jury's judgment of what went down there for our own. Ultimately, we will we will see what happens. I predict uh, the verdict holds, or if anything, by the time Alina Haba is done screwing up more and behaving, and you the way have she all does. heard the bet right here between Ben and myself, our famous one dollar bet, and we will of course keep you posted, and you will know who is the winner of that one dollar bet. Well, and, and think about what Alina Haba's defense for Donald Trump was, or Donald Trump's defense was that E. Jean Carroll deserved it. She got what she wanted. In between Alina Habba's screw-ups where she couldn't introduce exhibits or didn't know you have to mark exhibits, she didn't know how to establish a foundation, she didn't know the basics of federal trial practice or trial practice at all. But when you try to remove that and say, okay, well, what was Trump arguing here? Trump's argument that Alina Habba conveyed is that E. Jean Carroll was not damaged because Donald Trump gave her what she wanted. In raping her and then defaming her, Donald Trump gave her the fame she craved. So E. Jean Carroll should be thankful for Donald Trump raping and defaming her. That was what Alina Habba said in her opening. How sick, the, hey ben, how sick is that as a concept for somebody like Alina Habba, whether she's saying it on her own volition or she's just doing it, you know, to stroke the ass of Donald Von Schitz and Pants? How sick is that to say that we've made you relevant and therefore you shouldn't be able to sue on it? It's really sick. It's not just sick. It's fucking demented. Well, and here's what Alina Haba, of course, said before uh, trial. These her these are her now infamous words, saying that she would rather be pretty than smart because she can fake being smart. Here, let's play this clip, salty, if we have it. So, I'll, I'll tell you something. Somebody said to me, Alina, would you rather be um, would you rather be smart or pretty? And I said, Oh, easy, pretty. I can fake being smart. <laughs> Well, she couldn't fake it. Uh, she couldn't fake being smart. But that was her approach to this very serious, solemn federal trial about Donald Trump defaming his rape victim. And this was Alina Haba after the trial, whining, complaining in typical MAGA fashion. Play this clip. Twisted. We are seeing a violation of our justice system, ladies and gentlemen. You are not allowed to be stripped of every defense that you have. You are not allowed to be told that you can't bring it up. And imagine a point where a judge tells the lawyer before your client 
the former president of the United States, the leading candidate and obvious nominee for the Republican Party. Before he takes the stand to defend himself, Ms. Haba, tell me the questions you're going to ask in open court and tell me exactly what he's going to respond. And then edited my questions, edited the response he was allowed to give. And guess what my client did? He took the stand. He abided by the rules of this corrupt system that I have seen. We will immediately appeal. We will set aside that ridiculous jury. And I just want to remind you all of one thing. I will continue with President Trump to fight for everybody's First Amendment right to speak. Everybody's a right to defend themselves when they are wrongfully accused and to be able to say, I didn't do it. And to double and triple and quadruple down and say, this is wrong. This is wrong. But we are in the state of New York. We are in a New York jury, and that is why we are seeing these witch hunts, these hoaxes, as he calls them. And this is another one of them. Be brought in New York, in states where they know they will get juries like this. Didn't Donald Trump say, Michael Cohen, that he wanted a jury in the New York Attorney General civil fraud case? And if it wasn't the check the box issue and if there was a jury, he was going to win. Well, there are four grand juries who all voted to indict him. There was another Manhattan district attorney uh, jury that convicted the Trump organization about a, a year ago. There's been two juries, two separate federal juries. And by the way, Alina Haba, as well as E. Jean Carroll's lawyer, they're involved in picking the juries through the voir dire process. But to see a lawyer like that, Alina Haba, attack our judicial system like that and cast things that are like proffers, like what are you going to talk about? Because Donald Trump's already been found liable. So you can turn this courtroom into a circus. There are rules you have to follow. And it, it, well, she doesn't understand that there are the four corners of the complaint that's brought in. They wanted to create this into a media circus, into another opportunity for him to grift off of, you know, the American people, his supporters, and so on. And listen, Judge Kaplan wasn't going to let it happen, not in his courtroom. He's not as patient, nor is he as lenient to judge as Judge Arthur Ngoron was. Ngoron was very, very, um, he was very permissive in allowing Alina Haba, you know, to do and to say certain things, how she phrased questions and so on. But the part about Alina's um, lie uh, that I would like just to expose here is the fact that they're fighting for everybody's First Amendment constitutional right. Unless, of course, you're Michael Cohen. Donald Trump is out there right now, as you know, acting in a manner, defaming me, questioning my credibility, wanting, you know, with these subpoena duchess tecums, that's for documents in order to try to, uh, you know, in order to denigrate me and to uh, question my veracity, especially as it relates to my books. He's questioning a whole multi a whole multitude of things. In fact, it was it is my contention, and I brought the lawsuit, Michael Cohen versus the United States of America, Donald Trump Bill Barr. That went on appeal. It is now going to be going to the Supreme Court of the United States via writ of certiorari because Donald Trump did not want 
the book to come out. Donald Trump, through a weaponization of, a de of the Department of Justice, no different than I talk about in my second book, Revenge, how Donald Trump weaponized the United States Department of Justice against his critics, he violated my First Amendment constitutional right, had me remanded back to prison, making me the first political prisoner held by our own country because I wouldn't waive a First Amendment constitutional right. But here she is, hair extensions and all, flapping in the wind, making these statements that they are out there fighting for us. Well, I'm going to be very honest with you, baba, all right, and you too, Donald Von Schitz and Pants, I don't want you to fight for my constitutional rights. I don't want you to fight for any of my rights because truth be told, it's absolutely 100% your desire to stifle, curtail, and to destroy all of our constitutional rights. So do me a favor. You worry about yourself. You worry about your $88.6 million you owe E. Jean Carroll. All right. You worry about the upcoming trials, right? whether it's going to be the two Jack Smith cases, whether it's going to be the Fonnie Willis case or the Alvin Bragg case, allegedly starting March 25th. You worry about yourself and let the rest of us worry about ourselves. Let the real politicians, let the Democrats worry about protecting our constitutional right. Yeah, let people who are focused on democracy and not Donald Trump and his crew of, I want to be a dictator on day one, preach about constitutional rights. It's just so utterly dystopian. And it's also just very incompetent stuff, though. Here's Alina Haba as well talking about how the conduct that she saw in there, she goes, I'm going to appeal this. And meanwhile, her conduct was some of the worst lawyering ever. Here, play this clip that was made in there and the behavior I saw in there, some of which was reported widely today, gave us the most perfect record on appeal and even if I needed it, which I don't. We were stripped of every defense, every single defense before we walked in there. And I am proud to stand with President Trump because he showed up, he stood up, he took the stand and he faced this judge. And you know what? I'll continue to do so with him. Yes. Donald Trump actually stormed out of the courtroom like a baby, and it was just constant whining. And that's the thing that we talk about a lot here on the Midas Touch Network with MAGA, right? I remember Republicans were once like, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Remember all of that? For Right now, MAGA is just like, oh, they're all coming after me. Well, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? Well, if you go back to the May 2023 trial, where Donald Trump had the opportunity to testify, he fled the country. He went to Scotland and Ireland. He fled the jurisdiction so he would not have to testify. That was his choice. And the jury back in May of 2023 found him liable for rape, sexual assault of E. Jean Carroll, and defamation. There is a doctrine in the law. It's not unique. To Donald Trump, it's called collateral estoppel, where a jury reaches a verdict. It is binding on future cases involving the same conduct. It's not unique 
to Donald Trump. So based on the doctrine of collateral estoppel, it was determined that he had raped E. Jean Carroll because a jury found it, not the judge, although the judge affirmed what the jury did when Trump tried to challenge it, a jury found that. And the conduct by Alina Habba in the courtroom is what was disgraceful and just bafflingly bad. Let me show you right now a real trial lawyer, E. Jean Carroll's lawyer, Roberta Kaplan. Here she is talking about how one of the most horrifying things about Trump's defamation is he just wouldn't stop. Play this clip. Our whole case was about the fact that Donald Trump is unable to follow the law unable to follow the rules. He thinks they don't apply to him. And as bad as what he did to Eugene Carroll was, and the sexual assault was terrible, and as horrifying as the defama defamation was back in 2019, the most amazing, shocking part of it all is that he kept on doing it. And he kept on doing it even during the trial. I mean, what other person thinks they can just openly break the law over and over and over again? Donald Trump. More of Roberta Kaplan right here talking about, look, she's been a trial lawyer for a long time. She's been to a lot of courtrooms. She's never seen the contempt of any party in a court the way Donald Trump showed to this federal judge and how he acted in this courthouse. Play this clip. You're obviously very experienced. What was this whole experience in the courtroom like? I, I've been to in a lot of courtrooms in my time, especially in New York City, and I've seen a lot of judges. I have never seen a party be so openly contemptuous of the authority of the court and the authority of our justice system and the legitimacy of our justice system as Donald Trump. And I think the best thing of today, other than the vindication that Eugene Carroll so deserved, is that today was a good day for our system of justice. Today was a day that showed that the rule of law applies to everyone. Even if you don't think the rule of law applies to you, it applies to you and apply today to Donald Trump. I'm always interested. Said, and then here, Rachel Maddow asked Roberta Kaplan, Sean Crowley, and E. Jean Carroll, do you think you're gonna file another lawsuit? If there is another case, would you bring it? And watch uh, what the response was right here. Here, play the clip. Mm. E. Jean, in terms of the, um what you've just been through, I mean, to hear a lawyer as experienced as Ravi Kaplan say it was nerve wracking to be in that room sometimes because of the way this was conducted. Um, I have to ask you, you know, President Trump has kept your name out of his mouth since being told he has to pay $83 million to you for what he's done in the past. But over the weekend, he did start posting links online to articles that attacked you and denied your claims. Again, he seems to be pushing it already in terms of whether or not he is going to go back to calling you a liar and denying that he did what he did. Um, if, it, if it came to it, if your lawyers told you that there was another case and that you should go back and get more money out of him and sue him again, would you do it? Absolutely, absolutely. And here well, is how- let's be, let's be honest, why would they not? You know, and, and by the way, you know, listen, not taking anything away from Alina Habba's looks and all. You know, let me be very clear about something. You know, it's not like there's, there's no work that's been done there either. You know, she's she's part of that whole, that whole I want to impress Donald look. And, you know, people should understand you're not hiring your lawyer to be your mouthpiece. You're not hiring them, you know, so that when they walk down, you know, the, 
uh, you know, the, up the, the courthouse stairs that you think that you're going to a, a pageant or you're going to do another episode of The Apprentice. I mean, that's just absolute nonsense. And the fact of the matter is she should have been sanctioned. I give just Justice Lewis Kaplan such a round of applause and so much credit for one, being able to just do what he needed to do, be as strict as he was, but not to the point that he could have been, which would have really just taken away the entire theme of what this was really all about. This was all about asking a billionaire to keep his mouth shut, stop defaming a person who he had damaged, and really hitting him in the pocketbook in order to show him, you don't control the system. The system is for all of us. You fit within it. And the more you keep running your fucking mouth, the more we're going to take money out of your pocket. And the more we're going to compensate the person who you have already hurt. We're going to compensate her for the ongoing continuous defamatory damage that you are doing. And let me be let me be clear, my fellow brigaders. I know what it feels like, probably more than almost anybody. You know, there's about a dozen of us that Donald just cannot get out of his head. And he continuously says things, as does Alina Haba about us, and it's all done within which to harm us, to defame us. It's all done to denigrate and to destroy credibility. That's the Donald Trump playbook. And by the way, sanctions still may be a possibility for Alina Haba. I'll explain that in just a moment because she's making more spurious accusations against the judge, against E. Jean Carroll's lawyer. But I want to show you right here how E. Jean Carroll described Donald Trump during trial. She called him, he was like a walrus snorting. Here, play this clip. Who, by the way, Rachel, is not even there. He's nothing. He is without, he is like a walrus snorting <laughs> and like a rhino flopping his hand. It was, he is not there. That was the surprising thing to me. Powerless, you know, like hey, a ben, snorting ben. walrus. Yeah. I've been on with you here. And what did, you asked me a question a couple weeks back when I had testified against Donald in the case that any second now we can get a, we can get a decision on the Judge and Goron New York Attorney General case. And a lot of people asked me the question, when you were, for the first time in five years, when you were staring at him, Remember, and I told you I winked at him. How did you feel, Michael, seeing and sitting across Donald? You haven't seen him for five years. How did you feel? And I said the same thing. I felt absolutely nothing. All of the power that I remember him having was all gone. I looked at him, and all I saw was a deflated human being. I saw a weak, pathetic, deflated man. And it's funny because when I listened to what E. Jean was saying, I know exactly what she was saying. She just said it slightly different than the way that I had said it here on uh, Political Beatdown, the same way when I had also said it on you know, both MSNBC and CNN. 
I looked at him. I saw nothing. Nothing. I want to remind everybody about our Patreon. And after this live concludes in about 25, 30 minutes, Cohen and I are going directly to the after show that we're opening up as our beatdown exclusive Zoom meeting. So if you want to meet mm. Michael Cohen directly and meet me on our Zoom chat, sign up for patreon.com slash political beatdown. You'll see the Zoom link in the Patreon when you sign up. And as soon as this show ends, click that link and you will see Michael Cohen and myself in that Zoom chat. I want to talk about this Alina Haba letter attacking Judge Kaplan and the response moments ago where she back down and said, oops, I didn't really mean what I said I mean. And then let's talk about the New York Attorney General civil fraud case, where I expect this verdict in the next 24 hours to drop. Interestingly, Cohen, when I said that I expected it to be around $500 million, you said more. You think it's going to be more than that. I want to hear from you when we come back after this quick break. Heart health and staying healthy, especially when you're family, friends, or loved ones that you want to be able to spend as much time with as possible. It's so, so important. February is Heart Health Month in the United States, and more, more than half the population would still benefit from blood pressure support. Trust me, I know all about blood pressure. Superbeats Heart Shoes are the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended way to support healthy blood pressure. And they even promote heart-healthy energy without the stimulants. Paired with a healthy lifestyle, the antioxidants in Superbeats are clinically shown to be nearly two times more effective at promoting normal blood pressure than a healthy lifestyle alone. And with over 40,000, listen to that, 40,000 five-star reviews and counting, people are raving about Superbeat Heart Shoes. Superbeat's Heart Shoes are absolutely delicious and are truly much better than any alternative supplements out there. I take my Superbeat's Heart Shoes each and every morning, and it's really helped kickstart my day. After taking my Super Beats Heart Shoes, I feel like I have more energy and I'm ready to take on the day. Super Beats Heart Shoes support healthy circulation. So you not only get blood pressure support, you also get productive, heart-healthy energy without the crash. Support your heart health with Super Beat Heart Shoes. Get a free month supply of Super Beats Heart Shoes on all bundles and a free full-size bag of turmeric chews that's valued at $25 with your order by going to BeatdownBeats.com. So get this exclusive offer only at BeatdownBeats.com. Working hard, purchasing a home or a business, having something to leave your family when you're gone. I mean, that's the American dream. The things we build our future around are the things worth protecting. Making an estate plan now means gaining security over your assets and peace of mind, not just for you and your loved ones, but for the family. With trust and will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting, get a load of this, at just $159. So go to trustandwill.com slash beat for 10% off plus free document shipping. Now, I want to be clear about something. As a lawyer, I've seen what happens when someone passes without a will. 
It's called intestate, and it's a nightmare. The Trust and Will website, it's easy to navigate, and it makes the process incredibly straightforward. And I assure you that having a will and trust will give you the peace of mind when you put your head down at night. How and to whom you leave your property, that should be your decision, not the government's. Trust and will gives you and your family easy access and control of your entire estate plan. Your family will be fully prepared and protected with your will and trust being managed online. Each will and trust, remember, is state-specific, so it's customized to your specific needs. I mean, you might want to have care wishes or the nomination of guardians, final arrangement plans, or even who should have power attorney. So ensure that your family and loved ones avoid the lengthy, expensive, and complicated legal proceedings, or worse, the state deciding what happens to your hardworking assets. Trust and will has simplified the entire process of estate planning. Trust and will has made estate planning accessible and affordable. Trust and will saves your loved ones time and unnecessary stress by having all of your documents in one place with bank level encryption. I mean, their simple step-by-step -step process guides you from start to finish with ease. And live customer support is available through phone, chat, or email. Get the peace of mind you deserve today by creating your estate plan with Trust and Will. With an overall rating of excellent and thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Trust and Will is used by hundreds of thousands of families and counting. So go right now and secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust and Will and get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash beat. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash beat. Cohen, you crushed that ad read right there. Super beats, trust and will. Beat. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So here's what went down over the past 24, 48 hours. And Salty, I think we have these letters. So you had Alina Hobb on January 29th on Monday. Send this letter to Judge Kaplan, accusing him of having a mentor, mentee type relationship that he never disclosed with Roberta Kaplan, E. Jean Carroll's lawyer. And Alina Habba cites some New York Post article where the headline is about how Alina Habba will be using this in her appeal, citing conflicts of interest. So it's like kind of a self-serving feedback loop with the Murdoch property. But this is what Alina Habba was citing as evidence that Judge Lewis Kaplan acted improperly and inappropriately, and thus the verdict should be overturned. I mean, Cohen, serious accusations to make against a judge, especially a judge like federal Judge Lewis Kaplan, if the facts aren't that. And so immediately today, around 10.50 or so, Roberta Kaplan, E. Jean Carroll's lawyer, responded and said, uh, everything Alina Habba just said is totally false. We both worked for the same law firm back in the early 90s. We overlapped for two years, but it was a thousand plus lawyer law firm called Paul Weiss. I was a junior associate. 
Judge Kaplan at the time was one of the leaders of the law firm. We never interacted once. I didn't know about him. I didn't know of him. Zero communications to my recollection. There was certainly not a mentor mentee relationship. And then Roberta Kaplan said, Judge, you may consider Rule 11 sanctions against Alina Haba. And Alina Haba knows Rule 11 sanctions because federal judge Don Middlebrooks, federal judge in the Southern District of Florida, awarded about a million dollars of Rule 11 sanctions against Alina Haba in that frivolous case she filed against Hillary Clinton and a dozen other defendants in that matter. So that was Roberta Kaplan's letter. And then Alina Haba just responded before we went live. I have a hot take posted right now on the Midas Touch YouTube channel that basically is from Alina Habba saying, I write in response to the letter submitted today by plaintiff's lead counsel, Roberta Kaplan. In her letter, Ms. Kaplan mischaracterizes the substance of a letter recently submitted on behalf of Donald Trump, who Alina Habba refers to erroneously as the current president, and makes inflammatory and unwarranted accusations against the undersigned, against Alina Habba. Habba. Contrary to Ms. Kaplan's contention, there was no false allegations of a mentor-mentee relationship between your honor and Ms. Kaplan. I was just citing what the New York Post said, and I was just asking questions. And Alina Habba says, well, I think we should just move on now that Roberta Kaplan answered those questions. What do you think, uh, Judge? So that's where we left it right now. But the constant gaslighting, Michael Cohen, how cowardly is it? Yeah. Just horrible lawyering and just a horrible way to practice. Is, this, ben, is this really what it is that's going to make everybody turn around, look at her and say she's a horrible lawyer? No. Look, I wish I had a stockbroker who can do to Donald Trump, do to me, do for me in terms of growing my my money like what she did to Donald Trump she took a 5.3 million dollar loss and turned it into an 83.3 million dollar second loss i mean just think about think about that she really should have turned around when he wanted you know to say the things that he did she could have and should have easily warned him these are the things that you cannot say these are the things that you cannot do. And instead of doing that, you know, everybody strokes his ego because that's what it's all about. They keep patting him on his pampers and it's enough already. You know, if you are really loyal to him, like you say that you are, you would say to him for better or for worse, and don't be scared. Most people are, but you have to say to him, hey, boss, look. You can't go out and you cannot say that. I mean, I remember stuff like that. Now, that if he does it, that's on him. And she could then turn around and say, look, he was warned. He's a big boy. He knows what he's doing. And he did it. Okay. But instead, they all just keep stroking his ego. They all just keep saying, yeah, you know what? You go ahead. You do that. Right. And because nobody wants to say no to him. He's a fucking man, baby. And then anytime that you tell this man, baby, no, you can't do something. Now he's going to do it. And he's going to double down. As she said, he's going to triple down and keep going. Look, if I was, I mean, think about it. If I was um, uh, uh, Roberta Kaplan, I'm hoping that the Mandarin Mussolini orange crusted dipshit and a half opens his mouth again. I'm hoping he does it again and again and again. 
because there. I mean, he's not. He's gonna. He's giving Eugene Carroll each and every time. It's almost like a like a lottery win. I mean, it's fantastic to watch. It's it's pathetic, but it's fantastic to watch. Cohen, you predict that in the New York Attorney General civil fraud case, let's turn to that topic right now. Any moment now, Trump could be hit with this verdict against him by Justice Agoron. You yep. predict it will be more than $500 million. Here's what we know. New York Attorney General Letitia James is requesting at least $370 million in damages. Then you have prejudgment interest. The statute of limitations period is six years. If you figure nine or 10%, that comes it's to not, around it's, 198. It's, it's, statutory, it's statutory 9%. So about $198 million, if my math is correct. So you add all of those numbers up, it actually comes to $568 million if you include that. Where do you get your numbers? Time out. Where do you get your okay. numbers? So let me take the two numbers that you've added. There's also penalty. There's it's, it's not just interest. It's interest plus penalty. Um, and again, let's not forget that the 9% gets compounded. I say that the number exceeds the $600 million mark. And again, you know, you're, you're talking about just the, the straight penalty, this penalty plus interest. Uh, and you know, that's not something that you could play that you could play around with. And by the way, you know, it it's it's a justifiable number. Now, I also saw something a couple days ago, Ben. I was looking for it uh, so that we could talk about it as well. There was something about a fifty million dollar um, discrepancy that they found uh, somewhere where the two books didn't make any sense. You know what I'm talking about here? Has any of our brigaders seen this as I did? Ben? All right, maybe Ben's not with me. <laughs> all right. So, look, all I know is I saw that there was something there where it turned around and it said that there's a $50 million discrepancy that is um, right now being looked at, uh, and it's also going to be made a part of the, uh, of the case. Hey, Salty, are you with us? All right. Well, not 100% sure what happened to Ben. I hope I hope everything's okay. Um, you know, look, moving on. Here's another issue that we have right now that's ongoing. There's the Manhattan District Attorney case. And everybody's talking about how the Manhattan District Attorney's case is the least of the four violations, or I should say criminal indictments that are currently pending. And while I acknowledge that it is, it's definitively less of a uh, of a disgrace uh, in terms of having a former president commit. Clearly, January 6th, an insurrection against the country has to be the most it's treason if you think about it. And then you have the failure to return the documents. Uh, Again, top secret nuclear documents has is a it's a more grotesque 
crime than uh, campaign finance or the payoff of uh, Stormy Daniels uh, and the way that Donald Trump booked those expenses. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's definitely. And also trying to overturn a free and fair election, the Fannie Willis case. Now we get up to the Alvin Bray case, but I want to be clear yeah. about something. These are all crimes. It's not a question of whether or not you like the crime, you don't like the crime. This isn't a horse race where you're playing a trifecta. This is, he committed a crime, and as we talk about all the time here, Ben and I on Political Beatdown, it's all about accountability. Cohen, I uh, I don't know if you saw that I was gone for a second there. There was one of the things about recording live in your uh, living room as your studio. Some Someone was at the door. So my dogs charged to the front door and I had to go and grab them. So thank you for holding down the fort there. But I, what I wanted to talk about regarding the New York Attorney General civil fraud case as well is this report, though, um, by the financial monitor, the independent monitor, Judge Barbara Jones. Here's the letter that she submitted to Justice Ngoron last week, where she identified during the 14-month period where she's been the financial monitor, there have still been incomplete statements, inconsistent statements, and erroneous financial statements by the Trump organization. In response to her 14-month report to Justice Ngoron, Cliff Robert, who represents Donald Trump, sent a letter slamming the independent financial monitor. I mean, this is one of the most, again, respected, retired federal judges out there, Barbara Jones, who's an independent monitor who Trump was responsible for selecting. They had a list of people and Trump also selected her. And here is what was stated by Trump's lawyer. And notice Chris Keis did not sign his name to this letter. That was something I noticed right away. And they said that uh, the behavior by the financial monitor in submitting this report to you, Justice Ingoron, casts serious doubt on the monitor's competency. Think about that attack on Judge Barbara Jones, a distinguished retired federal judge who's the independent monitor, who is just doing her job to submit these reports. She identified areas that were inconsistent, erroneous, and had all of these problems with it. And then Trump attacks her, says there's serious doubt about her competency. Have so we not Trump seen asks every single time that somebody is contradictory to what Donald wants it to be. They're incompetent or they're, you know, uh, they're a flunky or any one of the other like eight or nine adjectives that Donald Trump knows how to use. Yeah, it, it is. It is despicable. But now Trump asks Justice Arthur and Goron, you need to basically fire the independent monitor. So after attacking Justice and Goron, attacking yeah. Justice Ngoron's law clerk, Trump's lawyer sends a letter to Justice Ngoron saying, hey, by the way, can you get rid of this independent financial monitor? And Trump accuses the independent financial monitor, Barbara Jones, of wanting more employment as the financial monitor. He says that to date, the Trump organization has paid her 
$2.6 million to serve as the financial monitor because the Trump organization is responsible for those payments pursuant to Justice Ngoron's order. So they're saying she's being greedy. She just wants this job long term. And so Cohen, while I expect there to be a bombshell verdict in the amount of or in excess of $500 million for the reasons that you state, or at least pretty close to that when you add up post-judgment and pre-judgment interest and penalties. Look about look for some of the other penalties that are going to be in this order. Look for some of the other injunctive relief. Look for Justice Ngoron's order where it talks about the fact that Donald Trump has continued to engage in this conduct even since the lawsuit has been filed and look for some serious, robust remedies where there can be these quick remedies for the New York attorney general and perhaps even more powers, Michael Cohen, given to an independent monitor. Because right now, the independent monitor just basically reports to the court. Hey, I see these issues. I see these errors. I'm not empowered to take action. I think we'll see in this order by Justice and Goron some additional powers given to that monitor position to immediately bring it to the court's attention, to immediately adjudicate ongoing fraud. And this is such a disaster for Trump because with all of these verdicts that he's being hit with, he clearly wants to try to, you know, you know Trump better than anybody hide the money, funnel the money to different locations. And with the monitor's kind of teeth inside the Trump organization, Trump can't even do the things he wants to do now because right. she has access to all of the bank accounts. And well, any violation of that she could gets be the reporting. Remember, Barbara Jones was actually on my matter too when I was That's first right. being attacked <laughs> right. by the Southern District of New York. However, that had to do with the documents when they – seized my phones, uh, my children's phones, my wife's phone, our computers and my office computer and everything. There was over 10 million documents. I mean, she gave me 45 uh, days within which to go through the documents uh, and to you know keep it on a schedule because government was pushing so hard you know for this immediate um, you know response uh, you know from me. She is, I got to be honest with you, very tough, takes no bullshit from anybody, but she happens to be there and she's extremely organized in her thoughts and the way that she runs the show. She's not playing with Donald and his nonsense. She's not listening to what they want. And she doesn't particularly get, she is, as you said appropriately, that she is doing her job, but she's doing her job really well. And that's the part that Donald doesn't like. The fact that she is doing her job very, very well. So stay tuned for the order from Justice and Goron. And as we said before February 1st, Donald Trump could have more than half a billion dollars of judgments against him. And I wanted to show this Cohen as well. I think it deserves more attention. I think we're giving it the attention it deserves here at the Midas Touch Network. This Office of Inspector General report by the Department of Defense. I'm not sure if you've read this book before, Blitzed 
Drugs in the Third Reich by Norman Oler, which talks about how the Third Reich basically handed out drugs, hard drugs like uh, like candy. And it seems like this is what was going on in the Trump White House. And this Office of Inspector General's report looked at the kind of pharmaceutical services throughout various government entities and identified the massive problem directly in the White House where a senior military leader who was not identified in this report was basically running this like pill mill and giving people access to drugs that uh, they should not have been given unauthorized prescriptions. I mean, there were massive quantities. They turned the White House basically into an unauthorized pharmacy when you break down the findings of this inspector general's report. And one of the things the inspector general's report looked at was the waste, the fact that the fact that hundreds of thousands of dollars were being spent on brand name drugs within the White House. But you take a deeper look at this report and you look at the type of drugs that were going through this White House. I mean, massive amounts of fentanyl, 35 fentanyl patches. I mean, massive amounts of fentanyl being prescribed. And we're talking about drugs that are prescribed in operating rooms. There was Versed was one of the drugs that was uh, prescribed, which is also um, sometimes referred to as the date rape drug. You have ketamine that was prescribed. You've got copious amounts of Provigil that was uh, prescribed. You've got massive amounts of morphine, hydrocodone. I mean, take a look at this list right here. And many of these drugs are limited for operating room procedures. And the wild thing about this, Cohen, is it's this isn't like, oh, the Midas touchers just saying, I'm reading from the Department you know, of Defense report, Michael I Cohen. Bet, when I when I first saw this thing come out because of AI and because of these deep fakes that we're all hearing about on a daily basis, I actually thought that this was bullshit. I gotta be honest, I thought that this was bullshit, like you. I went line by line. First of all, why in the world would anybody be receiving a prescription for ketamine? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't get fentanyl. Seriously, you got the guy who's screaming that all of this fentanyl is coming across the southern border that's killing hundreds of thousands of Americans a day. I mean, again, his, you know, his knowledge of the facts are just so fucked up. They're, they're just zero. But you're sitting there and you're making claims about fentanyl coming into the United States illegally, and yet in the doors of the people's house, in the White House, in the Capitol, and so they're prescribing these drugs like a, like a fucking dealer. Like a bun, like Ronnie Jackson's become, you know, the dealer of the century. I've never seen anything like this in my. I swear that I thought that this was a deep fake. That there's no way in the world that they're giving oxycodone, that they're giving hydrocodone, that they're giving, you know, um, uh, ketamine or fentanyl or propofol. I, I I cannot believe that this shit goes on at our tax dollar expense. I truly don't get it. In the Trump White House, and there in was any White House, 
Ben in any White House. I don't sure, understand. Sure, what but is let's the not. Need? Of, of course, but but it isn't existing in every White House. This is taking place in the Trump White House, and I think that's what's important because there were people in the Trump White House that were concerned about this behavior in the Trump White House. The thing about the Trump White House, Cohen, is it's all projection with them. They want to say, oh, there was a trace amount of cocaine in the visitor's area where tens of thousands of people enter the White House when Biden's in office. So there's a there's a drug problem there. And you always hear Donald Trump talk about how, oh, it looks like President Biden is on all of these drugs. And that's why he gives these great speeches. It's all freaking projection with them and the White House under Donald. I agree with you. If this was taking place under other White Houses, that would be a massive problem as well. But it was a whistleblower in the Trump White House who reported that these drugs were being handed out like candy. And it took four years. I wish it was sooner for this to be reported. And even where you have a bombshell inspector general report, sure, I see some other media talking about it. They like to try to put Biden's name in the headline, even though Biden has nothing to do with it. This is Trump. But this should once again be a front page story. It's a front page story here at the Midas Touch Network and on Political Beatdown. I'll leave with this. This should be a front page story too, Michael Cohen, because when Donald Trump was in Vegas and when he gives his stump speech, if whatever you want to even call this thing, across the country, he gets up on stage and for a significant period of time during the speeches that he gives, he does the accordion hands things. He goes, I took, I took a cognitive test. Did everybody hear about that? And, and I identified couch, chair, this, that. Let me show you this because this is not normal. This is, this is disqualifying. Everything else he does also disqualifying, but this behavior this behavior, right? I watch this and I go, what in the hell is this? Play this clip. I said, is it tough? He said, yeah, it's a tough test. The first couple of questions are easy. Like they'll have a lion, a giraffe, a whale, and a shark. And they'll say, which one's the lion, okay? And that's all the press covered, the first question. They didn't cover the last question. Multiply 4,733. Multiply times seven. Divide without paper and pencil, by the way. Divide it by four, add up another 37 and a half, 0.5. I remember that. And what's your number? How many people in this room could do it? Not too many. Or they'd give you six names in a row. I took a lot of heat on this. They give you six names in a row at the beginning. Sir, I'm going to give you six names. Good. They look at them. A chair, a hat, a badge, a necklace, and they vote. Those things. We're going to give you six things. And I say, good, what's going on? Can you rename them? So I name them. Then they go back, and if you can do it in order, that's even better. I do them in order? Perfect. Then they come back to you 30 minutes later at the end, last question. They say, what were those six things? And there aren't too many people. And I get, they laughed. Everyone said, oh, that's so easy. There's only about 2% uh, of this room can do it, but I did it. I did it very easily, but I got mocked. They said, oh, that's so easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. Go home and try doing it, okay? Go home. So Cohen, I'm giving you a layup right now with the two-finger salute. 
Yeah, look, the two-finger salute, unfortunately, is not going to dipshit Donald Von Schitzenpants, uh, even though he really does deserve it for just being the asshole that he is. But it really does have to go to Alina Haba for her absolute disrespect to the court, to her disrespect to the victim, to disrespect to her colleagues, to her peers, meaning, you know, um, uh, Roberta Kaplan and to the entire legal profession. What an absolute disgrace of a human being that she that she is. I understand that she's making some money with Donald and good for her. I understand that she's loving being front and center and, you know, his little, you know, his little patsy for the day. I know I've watched so many people come and go. He's going to turn on her also as things get worse and worse because all you have to do is just turn on the television. There's not a lawyer or a or a, um, a pundit out there who has any uh who has any knowledge of the legal profession that is saying that she did anything right on behalf of Donald, that this 83 and a half, a lot of this has to do with her. I don't know if I agree with that, but her evaluation of this case, her handling of the case, the ongoing disrespect to the judges in not just this case, but also with Ngoron, uh, I assure you, it's not endearing to anybody, certainly not to the profession. And for that, we should all just stop for a moment. All right. If you have something in your hands, put it down. She gets the two finger salute for the day. Fuck you. All right. Enough already. All they keep doing is just pushing the stupidity along day in and day out. You know, can I tell you something, Ben, um, as we're coming to the wrap up of this? So on my Friday's episode on Maya Culpa podcast, and I'm asking everybody if you haven't already subscribed, it's now on the Midas Touch network through their RSS feed. We're rebuilding our entire listening community uh, from the old uh, RSS feed, the one with the blue icon background. I have on the show Pam Hempel. And to those of you who don't know who Pam Hempel is, maybe you'll remember her as the MAGA grandma, the MAGA granny, they call her. She was at the January 6th insurrection. She spent 60 days in prison. Uh, it's an incredible conversation of somebody who will explain, in her words, how she got sucked down this rabbit hole, this fucking dumpster um, of a cult, how she got drawn in and how she's been fighting with people day in and day out, family, friends, colleagues, neighbors, et cetera, and almost on a one-person tour to try to change people's minds. And I bring this up for obviously two reasons. One, go right now, wherever you listen to your podcast, and subscribe to it. But number two, because what she's talking about is exactly what we will see People like Alina Haba doing, that they rationalize, they make up excuses why they should follow this guy into the dumpster. It makes no sense at all, even at your own peril. Well said, Michael Cohen. If you want to do a group two-finger salute, if you want to meet Michael Cohen, as soon as this episode ends, there's 16,000 people watching this live right now. So if you all wanted to have a more intimate discussion and ask Michael Cohen questions, we're going to have questions open for an hour. 
patreon.com slash political beatdown. You become a member of the Patreon. And then in the Patreon, when you become a member on the feed, the latest post has the link. And the link is to our exclusive Zoom meeting. So we will be joining that Zoom meeting in three minutes. So as soon as this ends, if you want to meet Michael Cohen and myself, you do that. Go to patreon.com slash political beatdown. Then you'll get the link there. When you go look at the feed, you'll see the post. The post says, today after the live show, you can have the meeting with me and Cohen. You click that, and then you'll see the Zoom link. Click the Zoom link. The Zoom link will open in the next three to five minutes. So don't worry if it doesn't open up right away. Cohen and I have to sign off. I got to like have a drink of water. And then I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there right away. We can do some group two finger salutes. You can ask us anything as long as it's relevant to the show and what we talk about. Um, we're happy to answer those questions and we will open that up right now. So it's patreon.com slash political beatdown. And we don't have outside investors here at the Midas Touch Network or on political beatdown. So it is one of the fun ways that we try to grow this independent media platform that may I add just hit 2 million subscribers, 2.5 billion with a B views on our YouTube channel, and we are consistently beating Fox News on YouTube in the YouTube rankings, thanks to you. We don't have billions of dollars in outside investors. We do it through our Patreon and our pro-democracy sponsors. By the way, if you loved Michael Cohen's pro-democracy ad reads as much as I did right there for Trust and Wills and Superbeats, just take a look at the YouTube description. The discount codes are there or on the podcast descriptions. Support our pro-democracy sponsors. All right, Cohen, I'm excited to meet and see the faces. If they want to show us their faces of everybody, there's 16,000 people. So I expect it to be a crowded after show Zoom meeting. Patreon.com slash political beatdown. You'll find in the feed the secret Zoom link. Excited to meet you all. Let's do it right now. Shout out to the Midas Mighty.